Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus across this place. Come on. We are so excited. Have you guys, all you guys online, we're excited to have all of you with us. Uh, I am excited for this new series called Renewed. And uh, as we jump into it, uh, just getting back from Guatemala, I was there for a week uh, on another missions trip and amazing seeing what God is doing uh, across our country. And thank you guys for being such a generous church. Can you continue to make it possible? And I couldn't wait to get home to see my wife. Okay, so uh, five days with 20 pastors, very large men in a tiny bus. I just wanted to be home with my wife. So I was ready to get home. Uh, but one of the things I know in our house is that my wife is constantly in this place when she travels that I try to do things for her. The reason is because whenever I used to bring her ideas I wanted to do around the house, she always was too involved in the process. All right, so I'd be like, I really, man, I've been thinking about doing this in the house, and what if we did this in the kitchen, and we did this, and, and she's like, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 and I'm like, stop, okay, you're crapping my ideas, okay, so, and so she eventually got, she was like, can you just like, can you Photoshop what you're looking, like, create it for me so I can see it, and then I'll know if I would like it, and in my mind, I'm like, I know you would like it, girl, I'm doing it, but she wanted to see the picture first, so I realized when she goes out of town, what I'll do, I'll just do it. And when she gets home, she'll love it, right? And so, uh, so the last, last couple of times she went out of town, I've redone something in the house while she was gone, right? And she walks in and she sees it. It's what I always wanted. Now, if I would have told her about it ahead of time, she'd have been like, I don't know if I like that. But because I did it when she was gone, she came home, she loved it. So the last time I did, last time she went out of town, I redid the kitchen area, I redid the living room, we painted different walls, put up this thing, new entryway table, mirror, the frilly crap, all right, everything was great, it's fantastic, she loved it, all right? She loved it so much, she keeps messing it up. So all that to say is, so we, we've redone a number of things. So uh, the, the, the problem with that um, is that she tends to take the things that I've done and then she tends to change them into the, thing, the way she wants it. Not my favorite. Okay. So here recently I came home. So one of the things I did last time, I put new shelves in the kitchen and I put all like the Target knickknacky crap on the shelves. Okay, peace, love, joy. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the coffee mugs are our initials and the more frilly things. And I was like, she's going to love it. And she did until she realized these shelves conveniently hold my Starbucks cups. I came home the other day and she had taken all of the stuff that I had put up and she had put all her Starbucks cups on the shelves. For the record, I hate those Starbucks cups. I think they're ridiculous, and she tends to keep finding more of them. They keep, they keep introducing limited editions. So anyways, uh, so now their shelves are full of Starbucks cups. And uh, so what I've realized, though, is oftentimes because she can't see my idea, she doesn't know if she likes it. And I'm like, you got to trust me. I know you can't see it. You just got to trust me, right? Because I, I promise it'll be great. And we end up in the war of the wills at our house. What I will versus what she wills. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Married folks, where y'all at? What I will versus what they will. Come on, how many of you guys know they don't always agree with one another? 
Sometimes you're on one end, the other person is on the other end, and you're trying to figure out where the middle ground is. It's usually wherever she's at on our marriage. But, uh, and so, but I know for us, there's a war of the wills. For example, I will eat good food often in our, in, in our home. She says, we will save money. That doesn't always coexist. So I say, all right, we will save money. She says, but I will get Starbucks every day. I'm like, that's not, no, that's not. All right, so I say, all right, I will buy new shoes. She says, we will stop buying shoes because we have enough. And I say, all right, then we will start saving money and not go to Target anymore. She says, I will go this Saturday. Okay, so... All that to say, there's a war of the wills, and I don't think we see this any more prevalent than in our relationship with God. How many guys know God has a I will, and if we were honest, we have a we will. God says, I will do these things, and all of us, if we're honest, if you're anything like me, you're going, as, God, I will too, as long as, and I create some contingencies. Has anybody else created contingencies for the Lord? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me, okay, right? We've all created, God, I will do, God, I'm, I'm aligning with your will. I, I want to do what you have as long as, help me out, where are we at, right? As long as you do it this way, as long as this income stream, this job, as long as like, my spouse looks this way, acts this way, talks this way, and then you get a spouse and they, they don't do any of those things, right? So, uh, and so you, uh, as long as it includes this car or this house or this income, God, I want to align with your will as long as your will aligns with mine. And it just doesn't. Sometimes it does, but more often than not, what you realize, actually, I would say what you always realize is that God's will always wins. Matter of fact, there are some absolutes I want to give to you, and that's the first one. You ready? God's will always wins. The, some of the absolute truths is that God will, will accomplish what he desires. His will always wins regardless of how uncomfortable it is for us right? How many of us have found ourselves when it comes to what God wants for us, like, like the toddler in the cereal aisle of our lives, right? Like, no, you can't have that. And we kick and we scream and we twirl on the ground and we like, come on, we throw a fit. God, why? Like the little kid, right? That couldn't have a cinnamon toast crunch. That is the best cereal for the record. I don't know why debates keep showing up over this, but the Lord has spoken and we need to be obedient. God's will always wins. The second thing is that God's will is always better, even when it doesn't feel like it. God's will is always better, even when it doesn't feel like it. How many of us would agree that in the middle of the process of God accomplishing his will, we can be very frustrated? How many of us will acknowledge within our own lives there's been moments where God was executing his will and we're sitting back going, God, I don't know about this one. But his will is always better even when it doesn't feel like it. The next one, your will is only accomplished when it's the same as God's will. 
So, so can I help you? If, you're, if you want to see God do amazing things and you're trying to surrender to the Lord, your will is only accomplished when it's aligned and it's the same as God's will. And so the easiest way to make sure that God is moving you in the right direction is to make sure you're moving in the right direction as God. So your will is only accomplished when it's the same as God's will. And then lastly, an absolute truth, your peace about God's will is only truly found in surrender. And, and I feel like for many of us, going back to the toddler in the cereal aisle thing, uh, I feel like many of us, that's how we look sometimes in our relationship with the Lord, right? And, and so God's like, we're going to do this. And we're like, no, no, I want this. And God's like, nah, you're getting the raisin brand of life, <laughs> Right? You're getting just shredded wheat, not frosted, many shredded wheat. Some of you like that. We're praying for you in Jesus. Now. All right, so we're, we're saying, God, why? Why am I going through this? I can't believe. Why would you do this? We're laid on the floor, uh, right? And, and uh, how many of you, maybe you have kids, you've, maybe you've done this with your kids. Have you ever looked at them and been like, are you done? Come on, help me out. Come on, so your parents know what I'm talking about. You let them for a minute. You're, you're like they, they have their tantrum, right? You know you're not going to freak out in the beginning of their freak out, right? You just let them kind of do their thing for a minute. And you walk up. Are you done? Yep. Yeah. Come, on. Come on, anybody ever want to do that to a kid that wasn't yours? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You've been in Applebee's before. But that kid's freaking out. Are you, do- are you done? I... I bet if we were all honest, that's the way God is looking at us sometimes. Come on, help me out. About your job, about your marriage, about whatever it is that God is saying, we're going to do this. And you're going, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, why? I can't believe it. This is so unfair. God's like, are you done? Because my way is better. And I know you can't see it right now and it doesn't feel that way, but my way is better. And I know you feel like you're losing, but if you, if you go with me, you're winning. Because my way is better. And, and I promise, when you get to the end, it'll make sense. But no one gets to know the whole book in the middle of a chapter. And for many of us, we're trying to figure out God's will, but we're just in the beginning. And I promise you, here's the reality. Your peace about God's will is only truly found in your surrender. So, so surrender is key, but what does that look like? And so Romans 12, 1 and 2 is our verse for the series, right? And so we're going to unpack this every week. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul's writing, and he says this, right? He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, say then, which means what's about to happen is all contingent on what God just said before. Are you ready? He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's the reality. Right? If you want to be able to test and approve what God's will is, if you, if you want to see what God's will is, if you want to be able to move with what God's will is, because how many guys know God is moving his will? He, he's executing on his will. It's just whether or not you're going to fight it or go with it when he does. 
And if you want to be able to move with God's will, here's what you have to do. Are you ready? According to Romans 12, you have to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, which means you lay you down and you're picking God up. And as long as you're living for you, it'll always feel like a war. But if you're living for God, it'll feel like it's his will. So you have to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, and then you have to conform to the way God thinks. The renewing of your, your mind has to take on a new shape. It has to, you have to start thinking like God. So the only true way to do this, though, is to surrender your life to God. I know for many of you, you've surrendered your eternity to God. You just don't know if you surrendered your life to him yet. And what we have to do is we have to surrender. Listen, we're not just surrendering where we end up after we die. We're surrendering our lives until we die to God. Now, Dream Team, I need you to help me out some today because I, I came in ready to just bring a word. Can we do that today? All right. So, so, so Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, he says this. Paul says it again. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated of the life, uh, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. And which means internally they've been hardened towards the Lord, right? Having lost all sensitivity, they have given over to the sensuality as they indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. What does greed want? It what's what I want more than what other people want. What is greed? Greed is what I want more than what God wants. So what does he say? That, however, is not, say not, and is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on, say put on, Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what he's saying in Ephesians chapter 4 to us is there is something in you that wants what it wants more than it wants what God wants. You have, you have deceitful desires in you. How many of you will acknowledge with me left to yourself you make bad decisions? Right? Like, like if it's just up to you. You're not going to consider what God wants. You're just going to do what feels right to you. And how many guys know what feels right to you is rarely right? You know what I mean? Like, that seems like a great idea, God. I have suggestions for you. If you did it this way, and God's like, you will ruin everything, right? Like, so, so he says there's deceitful desires, but I believe, I believe this just in my heart, that one of the greatest tragedies, one of the biggest hurdles for Christians, particularly in the American church, are you ready? It's not chaos, it's comfort. I believe one of the, the greatest things that our heart desires isn't the deepest rooted sin of your life. It's not, the greatest fall for you, the greatest way that the enemy would tempt you is not to get you to go out and sleep with 20 people you're not married to. I believe the greatest tragedy that the enemy could convince you of isn't to go out and get high every single day. I think for many of you, you've made your mind up on where you're going to land on that. I believe the way the enemy is going to get you is going to be to convince you that comfort is better than calling. And if he can convince you that comfort is better than calling, you might go to heaven. You're just not taking anyone with you. 
And God's desire is that something would change in us, that we would commit to what he wants. And I believe there's a character in the Bible, we're going to talk about some today, that helps us get there. In John 21, verse 3, we read this story about Peter. Now, Peter is an interesting Bible character because I think he represents a lot of us. Right? If we were all honest, not many of us are like John, the one Jesus loved. Many of us are like Peter, the obnoxious, loudmouth, chasing his own desires, messing things up at every corner, yet God's grace still carried him. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. It's very judgmental. Don't do that. Peter, this is after the crucifixion. Jesus is in this phase where he's not there, but he's there. And so in this time frame after the crucifixion, Jesus randomly pops up in the disciples' lives, but it's at very inconvenient times. They're all at a table eating together. Jesus walks through a wall. Is the door four feet away? Sure. But who wants to do that when you can walk through walls? So he walks through the walls. But ow! That's the way I picture it. That's not, and we don't know that, how it happened. We do know he walked through the walls. And one of the things that Jesus is teaching the disciples in these moments where he just randomly shows up is I am just as present in my absence as I am in my presence. Because he wants them to learn that he's going away, but just because I went away doesn't mean I'm gone. But, Jesus is, uh, that, but Peter is frustrated. I want you to imagine he's given his life to this calling. I'm going to follow you. In his mind the whole time, Jesus is here to rule and reign. He doesn't understand that he's going to go to heaven to rule and reign. He thinks he's here. So when Jesus leaves, Peter gets frustrated. This isn't the way I thought my life was going to go. Can anybody relate? And he says, I I didn't think this was going to go. And so in his frustration, this is what he says. I'm going fishing. Anybody been there before? Any fishermen in the house? You guys are like, I'm frustrated. I'm going, no, all right. He says, I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. And they all go fishing, right? Now, some scholars believe that the reason that Peter went fishing was because that's where Jesus found him to start with. So he was going back to the place that Jesus found him in the beginning to say, if he found me there, I'm praying he's going to find me there again. And if he doesn't find me there again, then at least I have the thing that I'm going back to whenever I walk away from this. And the reality is you don't need to have boats that you can go back to in your life, but that's not what we're talking about today. So he goes fishing, and if you know the story, he goes out on the boat. So John 21, 3, he said, they said, I'll go with you. So they went out, and they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Because how many guys know sometimes Jesus will let you go fishing in the boat that you're not supposed to be in, but he's not going to let you catch what you're looking for. So he, sent him, he, he, he let him go out on the water. They caught nothing. And this is where we find that Peter is so frustrated. And the reason that he's frustrated is because he's pursuing the thing in his life that he's not supposed to have, but he didn't know what else to do because he felt like life wasn't going that way. And maybe you know how that feels. And the reality is when we're surrendering to our life, the first thing we have to understand is that we can't choose familiarity over faithfulness. They chose the comfort of familiarity over faithfulness. I don't know what's happening. Since I don't know what's happening, I'm going back to what I know. And so they went back to what they knew, even though it was familiar to them, it wasn't faithful to the Lord. And sometimes you're going to have to choose between what you know, the comfort, the familiarity, the things. I know life goes this way. I know I can do these things. So if I do these things, it's going to go the way I want. But I'm here to tell you, you can keep going after those things. God will let you get in the boat, but he won't let you be fruitful while you're there. 
And so he, they get in the boat, they start fishing, they catch nothing. And I want you to understand something. This is very important when we're talking about faithfulness is you'll never find what you're looking for when you're running from something, only when you're running towards something. As long as you're running from what God is doing, as long as you're running from the confusion, as long as you're running from the frustration, as long as you're running from something, listen, you'll never find what you're looking for. You only find what you're looking for when you're running towards something. And so they run toward, Peter is running from because he's confused, he's frustrated, he doesn't know what to do. And it's a testament to another part of Peter's life. In Luke chapter 21, or, or sorry, Luke chapter 22, we see Peter is at the table with Jesus. And, and some of you know the story. We've preached on it before, but he's at the table with Jesus, right? And, and, and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And all the disciples are like, nah, not me. And Jesus is like, well, I did say one of you. So, so, and P- Peter goes, it's uh, not, surely not me, Lord, right? And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, which I always think it's interesting that Jesus calls Peter Simon when he's living in his old self, but he calls him Peter when he's living in his new self. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has set to sift all of you like wheat. And I know Peter was waiting for Jesus to be like, but I've made a way of escape for you. I've made a way out. You're not going to endure any of it. You know what, Peter, I love you. I love you so much. I'm not going to let you experience that sifting. You know what he said? But I've prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Could you imagine? I'm sorry. He says, I've prayed for you not that you would be delivered. I've prayed for you that you would persevere. Friends, though the enemy has a plan in place, to shake up your life, God's not looking for deliverance. He's looking for perseverance. He's looking for faithfulness in our lives to keep saying yes to him regardless of what comes at us. He said, and then he says this, are you ready? And when you've turned back, say turn back, which means he knew Peter was going to turn away. <laughs> he said, so when you turn back, because you will, strengthen your brothers. Don't, don't, don't. Don't keep running away. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers, right? But here's what we know about Peter and my encouragement to you today. There's always a cost for going backward in your calling. There's always a cost for going backward in your calling. Can I just speak from my heart for just a moment? There is an all-out assault and war against our children right now. The world is in an absolute attempt to indoctrinate and destroy the image, identity, the godly pursuit after them, the ACLU, the school system, everything that exists in that world is in an all-out war to destroy our children. It is in an all-out attempt to make sure that their mind becomes futile, that they are consumed by the sinfulness of this world to the degree they think it's normal. It is an attempt of the world and Satan's strategic plan to pull them away from everything godly. And Peter, when we look at him, when he goes and he gets on the boat, he ha- he's making a decision. Do I go after God or do I just go back to this place? And I'm here to tell you, there is a cost for going backward in your calling. And for many of you, you are in a decision place with your faith that you are not consistent with who God has called you to be. And the reality is this, if you are inconsistent in your calling, you'll never 
never lead your children into theirs. If you're inconsistent with what God wants for you, you'll never be the type of parent that makes sure that your children are consistent with what God wants for them, right? What is optional for you will become non, not even considered for them. If it's not important to you, they won't even consider it an option. If it's not a priority, if it's not something that is absolute in your life, your kids will consider it not even something to be talked about. So listen, if you don't start making some decisions for you, you'll never see your next generation make decisions for God. There are some of you right now, you are in a decision moment in your life. And I'm here to tell you, if you think that somehow you can bring your kids to a church or your students to a small group once a month, and it's going to fix what your school system and the neighborhoods and YouTube and Disney and everything else is putting in their minds 12 hours a day, you're wrong. And can I just help you? Nate and his amazing ministry and what they're doing and Crystal and their amazing ministry and what they're doing back there, we can't fix your kids in an hour. So you have to start making decisions, parents, on what your home is going to be. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so can I just, can I just speak to you for, candidly for a moment? Some of you, you're going to make decisions over the next 12 months that is going to set the trajectory for what your kids are going to do with God for the rest of their life. And if your position is, I don't really know if we need small groups that much. Their position is going to be, I don't even know if we need church that much. Set the tone now. Because this is who we are. Going to church wasn't an option in my house. See, my dad walked in and was like, hey, you're going to go today? Light on. Covers off. You got 20 minutes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I may not have loved every moment of it, but God got me here because it wasn't an option there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I believe for some of you, the cost may not be paid with your life, but it might be paid with your kids. The cost of your comfort might be your kids' salvation. So I want to encourage you, be aware of what you're choosing today. Because we need to be aware of what we're leading our children into. We need to be aware of the next generation. That's why it's so important we choose now who we will be because the reality is this. Just like when we look with Peter, Peter goes fishing. While he's fishing, he catches nothing. And then all of a sudden he catches fish. Jesus shows up randomly as he did. He says, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And Peter's like, bro, what you talking about? He didn't even realize it was Jesus, right? <laughs> right? Because when you're running from Jesus, when Jesus shows up, it's hard to see who he is because you clouded your own judgment. So Jesus shows up. Peter's like, who is that? And then John goes, that's the one. That is Jesus, right? After they've caught the fish, Peter jumps in the water to swim towards Jesus even after he caught the fish. So he was there all night trying to catch fish. By the time he caught fish, he found Jesus and left what he was searching for for the thing he actually wanted the whole time. And so he goes after Jesus. When he gets there, he finds him and Jesus sits with him on the shore because here's the truth, right? Jesus will sit with the old you, but he only calls the new you. And so don't confuse the fact that Jesus is willing to sit with you before you know him with the fact that he's only going to call the version of you after you know him, right? And so he may sit with the old you, but he's only going to call. He's only going to commission. He's only going to put purpose in. He's only going to drive. He's only going to bring close. He's only going to release. He's only going to anoint. He's only going to bless. He's only going to give favor to the person of you that's pursuing after his will and surrendered to who he is. He'll sit with the old you but he only calls the new you. 
He's looking for people that are saying yes, that are surrendered. So John 21, 17, Jesus said to him, Simon, because he's still fishing, right? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. He says, you, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And I think this is why we see in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, what Peter was failing to realize was that this life is a living sacrifice. But listen to me, it will be a sacrifice. Saying yes to Jesus will mean saying no to other things. If you want a renewed mind, it will be releasing the things that are stopping the renewal of your mind. It'll be changing some things in your life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as they say it with me, living sacrifice. He's calling us to do it. And one of the ways we see it happen better than anywhere else is in groups. We have a story we want to share with you guys about a couple in our church that went into groups last season, and it helped change their life. Let's roll, guys. My name is Zach. My name is Kara. So we joined the married couples group on Wednesday nights. nights. So our first day (laughs) when we were going to the group, we went back and forth for 30 minutes about if we were going to go or not. (laughs) On whether we were going to walk in that night. And we had made plans for alternative options to not go into group that night. And we both knew knew it was an attack right away that there was something that was gonna happen in that group, a connection that we would make within that group that the enemy just wanted us to not go that night. So we both, you know, we said, hey, we're gonna go, we're doing it. No matter what happens, we're doing it. And we went and it was like, everybody was friends. The group is very much spirit-led and very much, you know, there with the intention of people connecting. And it, it worked out really, really well. I would say one thing that wasn't like overwhelmingly pivotal, but would be something that we grew on really well was with our communication. We had the daily diversion. Withdraw weekly. And you withdrew weekly and then you're abandoned annually. annually. To where it allowed us to set aside specific time for one another, where we focused on things that weren't centering each other and bringing God into it. It was more of we now had tools that gave us stepping stones to move forward in our communication that actually strengthened our marriage simply through talking for 10 to 20 minutes a day, simply just sitting down and being like, hey. What you, what's going on in your life today? How was your day? Don't just tell me the light things. Tell me the heavy things. Let's go into the deep end of the pool with the with everything and let's figure it out and deal with you know the struggle. Being more intentional in yeah. our in our conversations in our communication. I would say a rewarding thing for me personally from the group, not marital wise, just forming a friendship. Rick and I have met a couple times and we text back and forth quite often on. You know, different things. If I'm struggling with something like, hey, you know, what guidance could you could you give me? Or if I just need someone to talk to, he's just been there. We've met for coffee a couple times, and it's just having that person that I can talk to that I don't have to battle something on my own, that I have somebody that's going into it with me that is like, hey, if you're going through it, I'm going through it with you. 
I've met a couple ladies from the group, um, and just being in the presence of them is, it's totally different than any other group literally I've been in. And there's no judgment there, and I know it's a safe space. I know I can like go to them anytime and just lay it all out. For someone who's joining a TC group, my advice would be just to do it. Um, don't let the judgment, the fear of judgment be there. Um, don't let the hesitation be there. Don't let the fear get you. The devil's gonna be there always telling you, you can't do that. It is truly life-changing. It's a powers and number kind of a game. Yeah. Um, you can go through life alone and you can struggle alone or you can be lifted up and, and walk through it with other people that will give you the healing and the growth that you're looking for. What you put into it is what you will get out of it. Amazing story. Uh, and thank you, Zach, care for, for that. It's, it's, it's true though. We, we need people. I mean, you look at Peter in the story, right? He's like, I'm going fishing. And nobody was like, hey, bro, nah, we're being faithful. They're like, yeah, that sounds good. You need someone in your life to be like, hey, man, don't get in the boat and miss the blessing. Stay faithful. Stay where we're at. Let's, but I, I know we're tempted. Like, we need people in our lives that way. Can, can, can we all be honest? We need people in our lives that we're connected to that are going to call you to who you are. We need people that are calling us Peter, not just agreeing with Simon. Like we, we need someone that's like, hey, man, that's not who you are anymore. Hey, girl, that's not, that's, that's not the pursuit we're supposed to go after. I know you've been praying for that for a while and you feel like this is the right one, but you really need to be praying about that. You need to, you need to talk to one of your pastors. You need some godly kind. We need, to be, we need people driving us in the right direction when comfort and familiarity wants to keep taking us to a different place. We need that in our lives. We need people we can be vulnerable with, honest with, and can be honest with us. Can I be, can I be real with you for a second? Not just anybody can talk to me some kind of way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm from the south side of the kingdom. You're not going to talk to me just in no kind of way. <laughs> but seriously, like, you have to earn the right to come into my life and to speak to me in a way to call me to accountability. That doesn't happen in a day, which is why you need weeks in a group to build up the relationship equity for someone to go, that's not how you talk to your wife, bro. Or that's not how we submit to our husbands, man. Or... That's not how we live our lives while we're waiting on a spouse. Or be faithful to what God is calling you to now in singleness. Or that's not how we should be raising our children, right? We need someone speaking candidly into our life, but you gotta have relational equity to get there. And that's why groups are so important. Today, you can check out what we have out in the lobby. And the real question boils down to this as we wrap up today. How do we do this? Like, we're, we're, really, we're talking about surrender right now and surrender is not easy I don't like letting God have control of my life I didn't say this in the first service but I feel like or maybe this is for someone here today I haven't always liked the roads that God took me down some of them hurt We lost our son in 2018. He's with the Lord. 
I've gone through really, really tough things in my life. My wife is one of the strongest people I've ever known. You wouldn't know it because she's so quiet. But she's a five foot two, blonde haired, blue eyed hood girl. All right. Like she, she, man, she's so strong. Her mom, absolute beautiful person. Her, her mom and her dad are amazing people. Her mom went to be with the Lord when she was eight months pregnant with our son. And then when our son was a year and a half old, he got sick and he died three years later. Sorry, four years later. I don't always trust where God is taking me because the roads he's put us on, some of them have been really painful. But can I just be honest with you? His way is still better. It's still better. Trusting him is still better. Following his will is still better. And if I went my own way, I would not be standing here today. But because I followed, because I surrendered and said, all right, God, I hate this. Oh, don't look at me like, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I hate this. I don't like this. We've had, man, my neighbors think I'm crazy. Me and God have had some all-out wars in my backyard. Forget this, forget you, forget your plan, forget the journey, forget the grind, forget the Bible, forget all this. I'll see you in heaven, but I'm not going to like it the whole time I'm going. Whatever. And the next day. Because <laughs> he's gracious not to walk away from me when I act like myself. He's gracious not to walk away from Simon. He still sits with me. And he just brings me back to being Peter again. But the reason I know that his way is better and the reason I know Jesus is worth surrendering to because we can surrender because Christ surrendered first. We can surrender because Christ surrendered first. As an innocent man, he died for the guilty. So who are we as guilty people to be angry with the innocent? He paid a price for us so that we could know him. So if he was that invested in your eternity, you can trust him with tomorrow. You don't have to like it. Come on, somebody. You don't have to always be comfortable with it. Matter of fact, you rarely are but he's, his way is better. So trust his way. Surrender to his way. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Jesus is talking. He's in the garden. He's about to go to the cross. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. In other words, don't make me drink from the, don't, don't let me go. To, I don't want to die this way. That's what he's saying. It's not the way I want to go out. Yet not my, say it with me, will, but yours be done. And you have every right in your prayer life. Say, God, I don't want to do it this way. And if there's another way, let that one be the one I take. As long as the prayer ends with, but not my will, 
yours be done. That's why Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And it goes on to say, the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So I started this service talking about my wife and all these ridiculous ideas I do to the house while she's not home. She loves that. But the conversation we have all the time is, I'm always telling her, I'm like, you just have to trust me, I can see it. Like, she's like, I want you, can you Photoshop it for me? I just wanna, I wanna see it on the wall. I just wanna see it. Can you create a picture? I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, no, I'm just gonna do it and you'll love it. And eventually she just got to where she's like, okay, just do it, right? But you have to trust me, I can see it. I can see, I know you can't read my mind. You can't get into my brain and see the thing that I'm about to do. So you just have to trust me. I can see it even when you can't. Can I tell you something? You have to trust the one that can see it for you even when you can't. God can see the end. He can see. You don't get to know the end of the book when you're in the middle of a chapter, but he can see it. He knows what it's going to look like. He knows where the end is going to end up. So we can trust him with the end because we know what he's, he's doing all things that work together for our good for those that love him called according to his purpose. Listen, we can trust God with our lives. And so we should trust God with our lives. And so here's the reality. Are you ready? Surrendering to the one who knows the outcome is always a good idea. It's always a good idea to trust God because he knows where we're going. Even if we go down roads that we probably wouldn't have picked for ourselves, he still knows the outcome. So it's a good idea. So what is it going to take for me? Very quickly, as we wrap up today, what does it take from me? All right, Brad, if I'm going to do this, what is it going to take? Your will has to surrender daily. Part of your daily prayer life should include the phrase, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. This is what I want. This is what I'm hoping for. I'm going to work. I'm going to try to get that degree. I'm looking for that person to marry. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. We're going to do these things. We're making a commitment to this. And, and I'm going to move in this direction because I feel like this is the right direction. But not my will. Yours be done. Which says, I'm going to do all I can. But at the end of the day, I surrender to you, Lord. Because you're still God. I want you to, I want you to think about this. What could happen if every Christian at this church, what could happen if every Christian at this church committed to the faithfulness that accompanies a Christ follower? We could change the place that we work at. We could change the place that we live. We could change our neighborhoods. We could change our schools. We could change our communities. If we just started living a surrendered life to the will of God. And all right, God, I'm gonna love the people you tell me to love. I'm gonna give the gospel to the people you asked me to give the gospel to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit with them. I'm gonna love them. I'm going to be with them. And God's gonna use you to change people's eternity. Think about this. You could get to heaven, walk over the top of a hill, and God shows you a whole neighborhood of people that are there because you said yes. 
If you're still trying to figure you out, you never get there. But if you choose to surrender today, now we get to see what God's gonna do with my life, not trying to figure out if I'm gonna surrender my life. Let's say yes, amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. So grateful for you. God, give us life, speak to us. Show us how we can surrender and we'll give you all the glory. We thank you today and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you're here very quickly, because of time, you say, Brad, I, I think I know about God, but I don't know him. I, I, I even talk to him sometimes, but if I were honest, Jesus isn't the Lord of my life, but he needs to be. I would say I have a, a, a passion to know God, but I would say that there's things in my life that have separated me from him. But today, that needs to change. I'm here to tell you, God's ready to meet you right where you're at. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you're ready to let Jesus become the Lord of your life, this prayer doesn't save you. It just puts words to the actions of your heart. And in your heart, you've, you've put your faith that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. And so today we're gonna pray together. And if that's you, let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. I believe you died for me, so I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start, and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.